Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through and keeping their delicate skin happy and healthy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick, goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable as the diaper rash. Instead, try Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash. Use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel good about making the right choice. Nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. Check out Dr. Mom Butt Balm, available on Amazon or walmart.com. Are doulas appropriate for every type of birth? How might doula support differ based on the type of birth you have? How can doulas facilitate informed and respectful discussions in the hospital? We get into all that and more in this episode with doula Hehe Stewart. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. If you're having a baby in the hospital, you are giving birth in a system that too often takes away power from women over what happens in their own bodies. I'm Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a practicing board-certified OBGYN who's had the privilege of helping well over a thousand babies into this world. I've been a doctor for over 20 years, and I'm here to help you take back your power, advocate for yourself, and have the beautiful pregnancy and birth that you deserve. This podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. Check out the full disclaimer at drnicolerankins.com forward slash disclaimer. Now let's get to it. 
Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 247. Whether this is your first time listening or you have been here before, I am so glad you're spending some time with me today. Hehe Stewart is the founder of Tranquility by Hehe Maternity Concierge. She's the creator of the Birth Lounge and Dad Days, a birth prep course for fathers. With a master's degree in human development and family studies and 10 years in the family life education field, Hehe helps women prepare for childbirth with research-backed education and expert support to have a confident birth experience while feeling informed and in control of labor without fear or coercion. She and her team serve pregnant people and their families across the U.S. and internationally with prenatal birth and postpartum care. Hehe also hosts the Birth Lounge podcast, which has over 60,000 listeners in over 28 countries. The show features leading experts in pregnancy, myself included. I've been a guest on the Birth Lounge podcast and enjoyed it. Also experts in women's health and childhood development, so parents can understand how to have an informed and confident birth. There's so much great information in this episode. Hehe and I chat about what type of support you should expect from a doula during pregnancy, what type of support you should expect from a doula during an unmedicated birth, during a labor induction, during a medicated birth. We talk about what type of support you should expect from a doula for a planned cesarean birth and even what type of support you should expect postpartum. We also cover her thoughts on doulas as advocates. Actually, not all doulas feel comfortable being advocates, so we chat about that and then some misconceptions about doulas as well. So you are going to learn some great, great information in this episode today. Now, some other great information I have for you is inside of my free birth plan class, Make a Birth Plan the Right Way. A birth plan is so important to help you have the birth that you want. And you have to do a birth plan in a way that's actually going to work to help you have the birth that you want. So what I mean by that is that those templates and forms that you find online, you print those out, you take them to the hospital while you're in labor, those don't work. You really need to have a discussion well before you get to the hospital about your birth plan in order to make sure that the doctor and hospital actually support what's in your birth plan. If you wait until when you get to the hospital to show folks your birth plan, that is too late. And actually just showing folks your birth plan, period, is ineffective. It needs to be a discussion. So inside of my free birth plan class, I teach you exactly how to have that discussion, what questions to ask, what text and things to put in your birth plan so it's more likely that people will actually support it. So register for that free class today. It is at drnicolerankins.com forward slash birth plan. Okay, let's get into the conversation with Hehe. Thank you so much, Hehe, for agreeing to come onto the podcast. I'm excited to talk about all things doula. Thank you so much for having me. I too am very excited. I could talk about doula hood and doula ship all day long. <laughs> all right. Love it, love it, love it. So why don't we start off a bit by having you tell us a bit about yourself and your work and your family. Thank you. Um, well, I just got married in October. Oh, so you're a newlywed. We are newlyweds. <laughs> we have been together for 10 years, so we are not a new couple, but we are newlyweds. Okay. It's been so much fun. Um, 
as far as me and, and my work, so I'm the founder of Tranquility by Hehe. We're a maternity concierge. We are a comprehensive education support system for parents planning for a birth. I have a master's in human development and family studies. And so the approaches that I use in order to prepare people are going to look at the family as a system. And so it's going to look at a multitude of different interactions and crosshairs of people and dynamics that we need to think about in order to craft your ideal birth. And this is going to be people in your immediate circle. So your partner and your family and your baby Mm -hmm. and nature, um, but also people in your kind of those outer rungs of your circle too. So your provider and the nurses that are on call that day and any specialists that you may need and anybody else that's in your care, like chiropractors, acupuncturists, doulas, whoever you choose to put on your care team, there's always going to be these dynamics that we need to take into account in order to craft your ideal birth. So that's a lot of the approach that we use. Okay. that's That was my next question. Like what training have you gone through to do the work that you do? So obviously your master's degree informs that. What about specific training related to being a doula? Yeah. So I took a donor training in 2016 um, to kind of see what doula ship, doula hood was all about. I have not kept up any certifications. My personal beliefs around certifications is that there needs to be some sort of standardization, right? Now, certification programs get to almost make up whatever they want to mm-hmm. be the criteria. Um, and I, I, you know, I struggle with that. And so it's not something that I've subscribed to, um, but our whole team holds um, at least a four-year degree. And then in order to, to be on our team, you have to have a minimum of three years childcare experience. Um, so it's a different type of background, mm-hmm. um, but still very kind of acutely in that family dynamics realm. Yeah. So this is a, th- a like a big point for me is um, people knowing like the background that people come from and, and really? doulas can be pretty tricky because yeah. you can kind of just sort of say that you're a doula. So I appreciate that not only are you bringing, you've done doula training, but you have your uh, other educational background that informs this and you have some standards around who can work with your organization. So I think that's really uh, meaningful and important. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we take yeah. a lot of pride in our team and the quality of care that we give. And, you know, I think that sometimes it can be difficult to work within the hospital system and it can almost feel for clients, for our patients, that they're being tugged in two different directions. And our team really prioritizes trying to work with the medical team to help promote cohesive care. It's Mm -hmm. really important to make people feel safe that they are receiving cohesive care. Um, So, you know, finding a doula is kind of tricky. Like you said, like anybody can call themselves a doula. So knowing your philosophies around things and that it aligns with you is also really important. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you yourself do not have children. I don't know. Then how do, how do, what, what brought you to this work? Yeah. Good question. So that master's in human development, family Mm -hmm. studies, I started out with a brief time about eight months in early intervention. That just wasn't for me. So then I went back to my roots, which was early childhood education um, in toddler and infant classrooms. And I began to realize like, wow, parents are really struggling when they drop their children off for the first time at daycare. And so I started Mm -hmm. to unravel like, well, what's leading to this? And they're feeling a lot of emotions. There is some excitement because you're going back to work and you get some normalcy back and a lot of people crave that, right? Right. And that is immediately generally followed by guilt of like, oh my God, I must be a bad mom because I'm excited to hand my kid off. Mm -hmm. That is not true at all. And then there's some angst of like, oh my goodness, I... 
I'm leaving my baby with some people that, you know, I trust, but I don't exactly know, especially on the first day of dropping your baby off. And so when I looked back into this, I started to realize that there's a lot of things that we can do to help parents transition into postpartum easier, make that transition better for them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that kept popping up is birth trauma. And so then I started to Mm -hmm. unravel that and I thought, oh my goodness, holy cow, there's so many things that people need that just the hospital system isn't designed to give. And so who's filling in those gaps? And that's a doula's job. And so that's kind of how that's how that happened. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. I love it. I love, I always like to hear people's stories about how they end up where they are. So let's hop into talking about doula. So what exactly, I think a lot of people know what a doula is, but let's just go ahead and define it. What is a doula? Yeah. So a doula is a non-medical support person for people who are having a baby or have recently had a baby. Most doulas typically do like 90 days after birth or through one year, right? We provide emotional support and educational support and advocacy support. And it looks different for every doula. So personalities and philosophies um, and communication styles are all going to play into your doula and the field, the energy, your connection with them. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that was one of my questions. You mentioned advocates, doulas as advocates. I see kind of like going back and forth, like some doulas don't necessarily feel comfortable and maybe they want to do just more the physical and emotional support. What are your thoughts about that. I think it's fine as long as people like say what they're doing and what they're able to offer. But it sounds like you have decided that advocacy is an important part of what you offer. Yeah. So you've circled back a little bit to that certification piece. Mm -hmm. So I think certifying organizations teach different things. Some Mm -hmm. of them teach you to be a part of that care team and be an active participant. And then some of them teach you that your role really isn't to interact with medical providers. I have taken a couple of different doula trainings over the years just to kind of see what flavors were out there. Mm-hmm. I took some for each from each doula training. One thing that our team does is we are an active participant, but we do it in a way that is very respectful. So instead of using very direct statements, we might be in a situation where let's say the provider is wanting to introduce Pitocin and our client has said, you know, I don't really love that idea. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about the the risk and benefits. The OB does a great job of explaining things. And at the end, that client says, you know, I like really don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm not sure. And the OB goes, you know what, let's just try it. So we're going to get you hooked up. Our team might step in and go, Oh, can, can we just pause really quick? Lauren, you look you look really uncomfortable. It doesn't look like you're super sold on this idea. Right. Do you have more questions that you'd like to ask? I want to make sure that you feel good with the decisions that are being made here. And while we have Dr. Jones here, we should use this time to ask our questions. Gotcha. And then our client can say like, yes, actually I am so scared of this. I really have a preference for this. Or they might say, I just don't know what to ask. And we could say, okay, do you have questions on the dose that they're going to start? Do you have questions on getting the IV because you're going to need that? Do you have questions on how this might change your labor in a few hours? Mm -hmm. And then our client says, "Uh, yeah, all those. (laughs) (laughs) those? Um, And so it's more of a facilitation of a discussion rather than like, no, stop. She said, don't, gotcha. you know, she doesn't want that. A doula's job is really to center that parent's 
that that mom, that birthing person's voice, you want them to be the decision maker in the room, but mm-hmm. you don't want to alienate or isolate the medical team in doing that because sure. they are critical to the care. We're all part of the team. So we have to act like team members. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. That's a really great way to put it. Did you know that 95% of pregnant women are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Enter Ritual. Their prenatal contains 350 milligrams of eco-friendly vegan omega-3 DHA in every serving. One of the reasons I like Ritual is that it's a female-founded B Corp meaning they are holding themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. In addition to those omega-3 DHAs to support baby's brain development, Ritual also has choline and methylated folate to support baby's neural tube development. And the capsules feature a delayed release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women Prenatal to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash Dr. Nicole for 25% off. So let's talk about the different ways that doulas can offer support. Why don't we start off with what type of support should someone expect from a doula during the pregnancy, like during the prenatal period? Good question. So this is very individualized to doulas. Mm -hmm. This is why you should ask questions in interviewing doulas. How many prenatals do you provide me? When do you go on call for me? If Mm -hmm. I were to have my baby early, what would that look like with your care? How would that impact things? Um, Do you work in a team? Is there an on-call? call schedule? Do you have a backup doula? All of these things are going to be important. That question that you just brought up of, tell me how you interact with hospital staff. Some people are going to say, I'm a very active participant, but I do it in a respectful way. And some people are going to say, you know what? That's really not my role. I leave that up to you, but I provide a lot of physical support, right? Many doulas do two or three prenatals, so that is pretty standard. Uh Some doulas, like our team, we meet with our people eight to ten times before their birth. Shut up. Yeah. No, we're doing full childbirth education. Okay. spend about four or five hours making a birth plan because we are teaching you how to have your ideal birth, but then also two other things, how to have, how to not have the birth you don't want uh-huh. and how to avoid going down the paths that a lot of births go down. So these common patterns of twists and turns that we almost mm-hmm. could have predicted We teach you how to hopefully avoid that. And then if you need some of the tools along those routes, how do you appropriately use that? So Pitocin is not a bad drug. It gets a bad rap. There are places where you want to use Pitocin. Now that we've established those places, how do we use them? What questions should we be asking our providers? What preferences should we be telling them? Like, I really would like to start low and slow. Sure. I really would like to start with non-medicinal ways to induce. I'd love to start with the balloon because it's not a medication. People have all sorts of preferences. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Love that. So then what type of support should someone expect from a doula during an unmedicated birth? Great. So a lot of hands-on support for pain relief mainly, right? Mm -hmm. 
a lot of verbal support too, probably. They are coaching you through each contraction. So as your contraction builds, your doula is probably saying some form of like, all right, take a deep breath. You're doing an amazing job. Here comes this contraction. You know what to do. And then they kind of let you have your contraction and it's quiet. That's how we want the room. Quiet, calm. You're doing your thing. And as that one ends, they say, take a deep breath. You never have to do that contraction again. And your baby is a little bit closer to meeting you. Mm. Melt back into the bed and let us know when another contraction comes. And that's what your doula is kind of doing. Physical pain relief and that emotional encouragement and support. Um, And then I think advocacy as well. Involving your partner if they want to be involved too. Got it. Got it. Got it. So um, you mentioned partner. What kind of partner support do doulas or should people expect from their doulas to provide? Yeah. Another really great question for your interview with your doula, Uh because it is going to be very individual. Um, But you want your partner to be on the same page as you. And so hopefully your doula is able to facilitate that in some way. Maybe they are putting together documents for you guys to read over together. Maybe your partner comes to prenatals with you. Maybe your doula comes to your home. Some doulas just do virtual support. Uh Some do a hybrid of virtual and in-home and some do everything in home. Know about your particular doula. Um, And then you also want your partner to have some sort of pain relief knowledge because there will be a time most likely for everybody that their partner is the one person that is constant in that space in labor. You're going to want them to know how to help you breathe, Mm -hmm. coach you through a contraction, give you hip squeezes or sacrum presses or that fantastic hand rub that makes us all just like melt, right? Head scratches, shoulder squeezes. There's so many things that they can do that are very simple to employ, um, but very effective in terms of managing pain relief. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So what should, what type of support should someone expect from a doula if they end up having an epidural? Or the, and they know they want to have an epidural. Okay, so kind of the same thing. A lot more emotional support. I think there's a lot more downtime typically mm-hmm. with an epidural. And so I find that with an epidural, I get like chatty time with those clients. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I ask them, like their wedding video or wedding pictures or I say like, how did you guys meet? Like tell me your little story. It's a really fun way to kind of get to know them a little deeper and also uh, get that oxytocin flowing. But with an epidural, hopefully your doula is aware of positions that they can get you in that are epidural friendly and also maximize the space in your pelvis because you're, depending on nursing staff, they may not have the time to Mm -hmm. come in and truly flip you every 30 to 45 minutes. And we know that that's pretty important. So having a doula that can give you those positions and help you understand like what we're doing in each position, the intentionality behind it, super important. Um, And then I think just advocacy, again, in every stage, it's going to be advocacy. But with an epidural, that advocacy can sometimes look like calling the nurse because that person feels rectal pressure or calling the nurse because that person has, you know, hip pain that we can't get rid of. And we've tried several positions and we'd love to hear our options. Like, should we call the OB back? Do we need to call anesthesiology? Should we talk about different options for the epidural? Facilitating that conversation again. Okay. Okay. And then what about for a labor induction? What does doula support look like for someone who's being induced? Very good question. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, a really good question for your interview for your doula. (laughs) Um, It's going to look different for everybody. What our team does and what we prepare people for is 
you know, inductions are long. And so you want to think about everyone's battery. At the end of an induction, if it is on the longer side, you and your partner might be feeling a little tired or a little run down and you're going to want your doula to have adequate energy to really be able to support you. Mm -hmm. So your doula doesn't need to meet you at the beginning of your induction. They should still join you the same place that they would join you in unmedicated labor, which is typically active labor or a place where you feel like you need extra added support or a place where you feel like, okay, I'm not being able to advocate for myself. I don't necessarily need pain relief options, but I do need help speaking up because I'm just feeling, I don't know, discouraged or sad or I just feel not heard and I'm hoping that someone can come in and help me. Um, So those are the three places that we say have us join in an induction. But again, every doula is going to do it different. Okay. Okay. And yeah, that was my next question. When in general, and it sounds like you answered it. I don't know if you want to add any more. When in general, regardless of the type of birth, would you expect that the doula should come meet you in the hospital? Because I do see that sometimes where people feel like they have to like, some people say, not that they have to like beg their doula, but it's almost like it's a lot of phone conversation and they're like Mm -hmm. wanting the doula to come. So what what should be a good time that a doula should should come? Yeah, so whenever you want that support, whether it's physical support or advocacy support or even emotional support, just letting you know, like reminding you that you're safe and that this is normal Mm -hmm. and this is what we expect your body to do. Even if you're feeling a little scared, this is expected. Um, You should call them. So we have a rule on our team that as soon as a parent says we're ready for your support, our next answer is we're on our way every single time. Okay. Um, We do not hold the authority to determine when it is best to join someone. Now, what we do do is inform people. Don't forget, we have a battery too. So it may look like if your doula is working with a backup doula, you may have to swap off and have a backup doula. If you're on a 24-hour call schedule, when the clock turns, you're going to have a new person. Mm -hmm. If you're working in a team, they may swap out. So just think about that. Um, But, you know, you don't necessarily need to be having them have their hands on you or be doing pain relief if you're not feeling heard. They can definitely come in and just hold that space for you to have your voice heard. Sure, for sure, sure, sure. I love that. I love that. So then what about for a planned cesarean birth? Do you think someone needs a doula for a planned C-section? Yeah, absolutely. So our team attends planned C-section. We just had two last week, actually. That's what I was just thinking about. We join you right before your surgery for that. So that's a little bit different Mm -hmm. because it is a procedure. Mm -hmm. A, we're let in right at the end of the OR. You are almost always already prepped and like in the OR before we are called back from the waiting room. Mm -hmm. So we almost never cross paths until we're actually in the procedure. Your partner will join you right at the very end, right before your procedure starts, and we get let in either with them or right after them. Um, we don't get let back in your in your triage room either. So you're going to be held in kind of a room before your C-section starts, typically, unless you're like the first one. Um, we don't get to be back there typically. It's just you and your partner. And so- Oh, that's interesting. That's a total, ho- that's a total hospital. Really? Thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because in our, ho- in our hospital, doulas can come back whenever. Really? Mm -hmm. That's pretty consistent across hospitals here. It's dependent on the nurse. If Mm -hmm. the nurse is in care, they'll be like, yeah, come on back. It's not a problem. But for the most part, 
they in their bigger hospitals too, especially when they get busy, they will put two families in one room and just put a curtain. So they really do oh, try and limit got it. Mm-hmm. like the number of sure, people. Sure. Um and where are you? What area? In Boston. Okay. In okay. Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. New okay. England. But we'll join you right before your surgery starts. Mm-hmm. And then that looks like a lot of two things. Distraction, mm-hmm. just keeping your mind somewhere else, right. reminding you right. um, of like while we're there, your baby's coming. And then the second thing is just reminding you that you're safe. A lot of people who have past birth trauma, either with a C-section or have chosen a C-section because of past birth trauma, really benefit from having someone there mm-hmm. Um that is not their partner. That Got is it. just a third party to say, like, you're safe. You're in great hands. Yeah. We're going to meet your baby in right. like so soon. Right. Just <laughs> awesome. 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 So then what about in the postpartum period? What type of support should someone expect from their birth doula? Because I know you can have a separate postpartum doula, but what should they expect from their birth doula in the postpartum period? So typically your doula is going to say a little bit after your birth, like immediately after birth. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will go home an hour or two after your birth or when you transition to postpartum, ask your specific doula what they do. But then for birth, birth doulas, it kind of varies. Some people, that's where your care ends. Okay. Some people, you get one or two or three visits with your doula just to debrief. Some doulas, so our our care being so comprehensive, some doulas have extra training in lactation, in formula feeding, mm-hmm. in bottle feeding, in early intervention. Um, so think about kind of what you want in postpartum and whether your birth doula offers it. And then like you say, if they don't, you can shift right over to a postpartum doula right. and continue that really great support. Okay. Okay. I, I, I feel like I was expect that, that there would at least be like one visit to sort of debrief or talk about, or at least like check in and see if they need any additional resources or anything like that. But as you said, it's important to ask questions so you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy into Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. 
So um, you talked a little bit about this earlier and I mentioned it. So doulas have the same issues that obstetricians face in the sense of work-life integration and birth is unpredictable. (laughs) And how do you have a life when you need to be available? So how do you do that? And how have you seen the profession in general adapting to that? Okay. So when I first started being a doula in 2016, one of the like biggest things facing the doula industry is burnout. Mm -hmm. And I just was so discouraged because I had just gotten in the industry and I was like, wow, if all these people are so burnt out Mm -hmm. after just a few years, what are we going to do? So I decided to work with a partner, not a backup, but they truly were a partner with me on every birth. And it lessened my load by, let's call it 50%. It felt like we were equal partners on every birth. Then I was just new in business and gosh, I was taking five, six, seven, eight births a month and just running myself ragged, Mm -hmm. right? She and I together, we were just hitting the ground running. And then I realized, you know, the care that people deserve is not the care they're getting when I take eight births. Mm -hmm. And so I knocked it down and we've bumped it up throughout the years. And so I think it is about finding the number of births that is comfortable to you that you can still give quality of care. I also have like week. So ours is 4th of July. TBH, Tranquility by Hee is closed the week of 4th of July and the week of right before Christmas all the way till the new year. And that is standard and we get it off every single year and we do not take births. Um, and so that's really important is setting boundaries around that. We people still inquire about that time and we will be very upfront with them and they'll say, my due date is July 6th. And I will say, okay, great. We are happy to work with you. Please understand our Office is closed from seven, you know, two to seven, five. Mm -hmm. And if that's a risk you're okay taking, it's just two days before your due date. So if you're a first time mom, you are likely to go over. So that lessens that risk a little bit, but there is a risk. You definitely might have your baby then. Think about that. And if you're comfortable, we're happy to sign you. And we have people that sign. And so I think that being in obstetrics is just it's so important to be clear with your people and let them take the risk on that they are willing. And if you don't have any clients sign, then I think it just wasn't meant to be. Go enjoy your vacation. Don't check out. Have a great time and come back really refreshed. Sure, sure, sure. That's the, Those are all, boundaries are important. Mm-hmm. So definitely important. What are any misconceptions about a doula that you see that you think need, need to be cleared up? One or two misconceptions. Yeah, Um, I think that the number one misconception is duels are only for the crunchy unmedicated people. And Mm -hmm. that's not true. And I'm really glad that we busted all the myths about how does that support actually look in different types of birth because doulas maybe originated that way. Maybe they were primarily in home births or primarily in birth centers, but that's not true anymore. And women are really finding the benefits of having a doula. You have less C-sections, you have less interventions, you are happier with your birth. So you have higher satisfaction. Sure. Um, you know, having a doula has a lot of benefits for a lot of different type of births. And I think that it's about finding a doula that makes you feel safe and can actually help you achieve your goals. Yeah, I love that. Um, and then the, the second one I think is that doulas and doctors don't get along. I cannot tell you how many people ask in their interview. And I do think that it's an important question, but, uh-huh. you know, 
they will say things like, I know that doulas, you know, sometimes don't always get along with doctors. Can you tell me how you interact with medical staff? Can you tell me mm-hmm. how X, Y, and Z? And I hate that that is part of our reputation. It has been fairly earned. I know that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of doulas out there that are, they disrupt the birth space more than they put into it. And that's really hard. But I think it goes back to maybe needing those standardized credentials of, okay, this person has this education and this person has this experience and they are keeping up with this continuing education. That's another thing our team does. And so it's important to have standards to hold people to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I think hopefully we're in, we're headed in the right direction and there are really great OBs out there and we're seeing a lot of good relationships form it. It really jazzes me up. I love that. I love that. And that was my next question. Like what are some, I guess, good things and do you still see though challenges with the care that people receive? Like if you could, you know, report you're being a fly on the wall in the middle of birth experiences, what are some things that you see that still make you go, oh my God, I really wish that this would stop? Um, yeah, I think really the lack of consent. So I'm so big on language. It's so easy to change language. It really is just keeping it at the forefront of your mind. It's mm-hmm. not hard. And it doesn't cost anything. It's really just about remembering. So instead of saying like, okay, Megan, it's time for your, your cervical exam. It's been two hours. It is so simple and easy and free to change it to, hey, Megan, so it's been about two hours since your cervical exam. The hospital says that we should check in and do one every two hours. I know that we had talked previously and you didn't love the idea of cervical exams. Do you want one? And she says, I really don't want one, but do you need one? And you go, no, I don't. I don't need one as mm-hmm. your doctor. Um, but if you wanted to see where you were or you wanted to hear my opinions on maybe where you're at now, then a cervical exam would be helpful. And she goes, no, I'm all set. And you go, okay, great. Like how much more human was that? That was just so much better. It makes someone feel safe. It makes them feel secure. So I think that's the number one one. And then I think, gosh, it's so unfortunate, but the number, and it could, it could totally be me. This might just be confirmation Mm -hmm. bias, but the number of people who report that their doctors do sweeps or break their waters when they only consented to a cervical exam is so traumatizing to me because- We just see it so often. We have a membership called the Birth Lounge. Mm -hmm. And at any given time, there's about 300 to 500 people in there. And so we are always getting birth stories. And it just feels so archaic. Like, come on, this is so easy not to do. um, And it's still happening. So those are just two challenges that we're still teaching women how to say like, okay, I am okay with a cervical exam, but I want to make it very, very clear. I really don't want a sweep or for you to break my waters if you don't mind, please. Right. And they go, yeah, cool. It's not confirmation bias. It still happens. It's just that we don't, we, we're just not taught that this is going to sound awful, but we're not taught that we even need to ask. So, um, I mean, for years I did that. I've never been like a mean person. I've always felt like, but hundreds of times I walked into a room and said, I'm here to check your cervix and like, and just went forward because my training never said like, you need to stop and actually ask if it's okay. This is a deeper, bigger thing, but it's just an underlying reflection of the way women in society and their choices are not felt, you know, we don't have to ask sometimes about 
the things that we do. So I, I think we're we're changing that, but it's still a big issue that the like I, I never and even in discussion with some of my colleagues, we just never realized like, oh my God, like no, we we actually aren't asking. Like what are we doing? Like this is <laughs> this is an easy thing that needs to to happen. And I we did I didn't realize until I started doing this online work in the podcast how many birthing women people really feel like that's a big sticking point that we don't even recognize as an issue. So anyway, I just kind of went off on a tangent there just to say that you're not making it up in your head. I think that's still an issue that that happens for sure. I appreciate that. And I think that it's really important that people, doulas included, nurses, doctors, anesthesiologists, anybody who, I mean, chiropractors, acupuncture, if you have cared for and, and, and you touch pregnant people, you need to always be evaluating your practice because we all do harmful things, totally not intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, but once somebody comes to you and says like, hey, that really impacted me in a way that I don't know that you realize mm-hmm. or maybe you did realize and I wanted to just let you know it it got to me. You should really kind of sit down and think about that. So from me as a doula and me as a patient who does get OB services, I'm very grateful to have OBs like you and all practitioners that kind of constantly reevaluate your practice because it that creates a safe environment. That's how we do it. Yeah. When we know better, we have to do better. Totally. Yeah. So as we wrap up, what would you say is the most frustrating part of your work? The most frustrating. Oh my gosh. You really want to know? I yeah, it it come on now. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's 39 week inductions that don't need to happen mm. because, oh my gosh, right. it's just the anxiety that it causes our team. Like, and it's not, it's anxiety for you because we want you to have a good birth. We are just hoping that this goes in mm-hmm. a good way. Mm-hmm. We trust you. If this is really what you want, mm-hmm. we totally trust you. But we just like, we kind of hold our breath like, oh, we hope this goes good. Um, that that really is right now. That is the most frustrating thing. Yeah. Yeah. Some our, our hospitals in this area, actually a couple don't even do 39 week inductions because it's just too, I mean, we, if it's necessary, but like elective, just because it's a lot of, um, it's time and man, it just, you know, they, they just, especially if someone is not like ready. So yeah. I totally understand that. Yeah. 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 And then on the flip side, what's the most rewarding part of your work? Oh my gosh. The most rewarding part. Oh, can I say two? Yeah. Okay. So one, one is seeing people birth their babies and they go, I did it. And mm-hmm. you're like, I know. Right. <laughs> I knew you could do it the whole time. Like, I knew this is going to be the result. This is why I kept pushing you. Like you did it. Absolutely. Right. The second thing is seeing the light bulb moments in medical professionals, Mm. because I do understand this is not how you're taught. I do understand we're asking you to step a little bit outside of the box. And so when I'm able to connect the dots for somebody and they go, oh my God, I go, I know, isn't this crazy? And it goes back to like, when you know better, you do better. Uh And when you do better, you feel better about your job. You feel better about the care you're given and yourself and your skills. And then everybody wins. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For sure. For sure. For sure. So what is your favorite piece of advice that you would give to an expectant mom? Hmm. My goodness. Don't be afraid to use your voice. Mm. Like You do know what you're doing. You really do. You may need a little educational support. You may need a little advocacy support. You may need a couple conversations. You may need some time to think about it. 
But you should listen to your intuition and your gut and your mind and your brain and your heart and make the decisions that you know are right. Um, And, you know, put together a team of people that support you and are aligned with you. But listen, listen to your heart and use your voice. Excellent. Excellent advice. So where can people find you? Where are all the things that you offer? Where are all the things? Okay. I'm on Instagram at Tranquility by Hehe. You can find our membership at the.birth.lounge. I'm also the host of the Birth Lounge podcast. Mm-hmm. So you can go to the Birth Lounge podcast anywhere that you stream um, or thebirthlounge.com, which is again, our childbirth membership to help you have an informed and confident birth and know how to be able to respectfully navigate hospital policy and have these conversations with your provider that are really going to center your voice and help you achieve the birth that you want, whatever that looks like for you. Awesome. I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much. This was an incredibly informative conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Wasn't that a great conversation? He has such lovely energy. You can tell she gets really excited and is passionate about this work that she does. Now, you know, after every episode, when I have a guest on, I do something called Dr. Nicole's Notes, which are my top takeaways from the conversation. Here are my Dr. Nicole's Notes from my conversation with he. Number one, doulas should facilitate discussion and not make decisions for you. They should help you use your voice and center your voice. And I see this play out in two ways. One is when those instances where the doula is a bit aggressive. So she does all the talking. She barely lets the patient talk. Any questions that come up, she's like, you know, getting into the conversation and not really helping the patient to use their own voice. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes there is a role definitely for doulas speaking up, but really it should be starting with helping the patient to use their own voice. So that is one way. That is the less common way that I see this play out. Actually, the more common thing that I see is that The doctor comes in, the patient has a doula, the doctor proposes an intervention like breaking water or Pitocin, and then the patient looks at the doula and says, well, what should I do, okay? And you shouldn't expect that your doula is there to make decisions for you. They can help you think through things and talk through things, but you really shouldn't look at them and be like, so tell me what to do. That's not fair to you. And it's not fair to your doula in order to expect her to do that. So again, doula should facilitate discussion. They are not there to make decisions for you. Number two, ask questions before you hire a doula so that you know exactly what you're getting, how things will work. Check out episode 218 of my podcast where I go through a list of questions that you need to ask before you hire a doula. And if you're inside my online childbirth education class, the birth preparation course, then I have a nice printout that you can use when you go to hire a doula of the questions that you can ask in a step-by-step process to choose a doula. The birth preparation course is, of course, my online childbirth education class. And you can check out the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll or check out that episode 218 of my podcast where I talk about the questions as well. That's drnicolerankins.com forward slash episode 218. And then the last thing I want to say is it is so important to set boundaries. 
he he set boundaries around when she's available and when her team is available and certain times they just aren't able to provide support. That is what she has decided works best for her. And we all have to learn how to set boundaries in our lives. And remember that boundaries aren't actually for the other person. Boundaries are actually for you to help you create the life that you want, help you create the experiences that you want. A common place where I see that boundaries may need to be set surrounding birth is visitors, whether that is visitors in the hospital, whether that is visitors at home, whether it's who can be in the labor room while you're giving birth. Again, it's not about hurting anybody's feelings or anything like that. It is about creating a situation where you feel good and you feel most comfortable. So get comfortable setting those boundaries in your life. So, so important. Okay, so there you have it. Please share this podcast with a friend. Sharing is caring. It helps me to reach and serve more people. Also subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to me right now and do check out those resources. I told you about my free birth plan class. You can check that out at drnicolerankins.com forward slash birth plan or the birth preparation course at drnicolerankins.com forward slash enroll. So that's it for this episode. Do come on back next week and remember that you deserve a beautiful pregnancy and birth. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.